Gonna admit, this episode number, nice, better buddies. Hello, and welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ. With us this week, we got Calvin. Hi. And James. Hello. It's episode 69 this week. Hey, why couldn't this have been the Valentine's Day episode, RJ? Come on. Well, fun fact, it is. Because Valentine's Day is a holiday we celebrate till the end of the month. Oh, that's so cute. (laughs) I'm ready. Uh, And for that purpose... Our better buddy's icebreaker this week is, what's your favorite thing to do with your pals? Huh. Yeah? Drink. Yeah, drinking's pretty fun. I mean, like, do can, can we count, I, if we say drinking, can we say all the activities that, like, can happen while drinking? Like, playing video games? Please, or... please well, that's do. Like our, that's, like, our typical, like, when we hang out and drink, is, like, we spend the first, like three or four hours usually just hanging out playing video mm-hmm. games and that's more what i mean uh yeah if we're just hanging out playing games playing halo dude there is like there is nothing better like i mean like obviously going outside and getting fresh air and like doing things outside with like friends is awesome but one of my favorite experiences still like a to do with my friends is like getting drunk or get, getting like a six pack and some liquor and sitting down and like watching a movie, That's uh, fun. and then you all just get to like talk about it and like I don't know. They, it's it's great. Film. Yeah, it's so it doesn't even have to be like oh it's so bad, but like it, just a movie that you guys have seen and just like commenting on it. And sometimes it's almost it. Sometimes it is better if it's a movie that like you guys have seen and you all actually kind of enjoy or have an attachment to because like mm-hmm. people people mm-hmm. Uh, say a little more interesting things. I will. I will hold to. I think I've said this before. I don't know, but I will hold to the assertion that the the movie is like the modern campfire. It's just like where people come come to gather around and uh, to the warm glow. Yeah, yeah, warm glow. You come to hang out with your buddies and you just kind of repose. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a Halo. I think. Hell yeah. Good time. Drinking optional, but uh, encouraged. Definitely encouraged. Yeah. It's always more fun. Makes things more interesting. <laughs> yeah, when we start yelling at each other. Yeah, it definitely does. <laughs> definitely does. Apparently, yeah. I get better the more I drink. Well, that explains I don't. it. I don't. I don't. I definitely depreciate an ability. <laughs> when I, like, I, there's like um, a there's like a point for me though where it's like too much and I get worse, but there's like just a little bit and I get better. Yeah, usually it's around like twelve thirty. I've noticed for me, <laughs> like like. That's just because yeah. you're an old man now. That is, yeah. I mean, like, when I'm if I've been drinking for like a couple hours, usually past that two hour mark. I think honestly, past the two hour mark for almost any stint of drinking is probably when things start to not maybe decline you, in the sense of like they get bad, but you, you just you have to change it up. You need you just to, learn have to, to change drink. it up a bit. Yeah. Also, you need to. You're just you. You need to improve your stamina, man. I would that, I would just say like chill out a little bit and extend your drinks for a longer time. 
That's also fair. I tend to be a sprinter, which I'm trying to revise. Hopefully, hopefully this reset I've done is is going to uh, help me get in the game for some marathon, like marathon drinking sessions. Not in the sense of like drinking a lot, but like drinking for longer. For longer, yeah. Not yeah. necessarily because like some of the best times I have had while like drinking playing Halo is yeah. where I've only had like two or three drinks, but yeah. we played for like three or four hours. Yeah, yeah, where you have more of that light buzz and you're able to extend it as opposed to just dying after an hour and a half. Exactly. See, that's, my, that's my biggest, like, it sounds, it is degenerate, but that's my biggest fear when I <laughs> do start drinking is, like, I'm like, oh, shit, like, there's no way to plateau. Like, I'm, I, I usually, in the past, I've convinced myself, like, there, like the only way is up and the only thing I can really do to extend this is, is like, slow time of ascent you know what i mean but unfortunately three years to figure this out yeah i know but the thing is too is it's like it's really fun to get like really drunk it's just (laughs) it's just not fun to be really drunk and to deal with it after the aftermath yeah Um, also drunk you always thinks it's better to just keep drinking so yeah yeah well yeah it's definitely like a kamikaze mentality of you're like i'm already here like may as well just hit the battle. <laughs> like, i'm going there's... down it might as well be great and yeah, you bring the rest no of way. us with you yeah yeah i mean yeah and that's yeah. that's definitely i can't i mean that's the other difficult thing too is like like having that I mean, people are always like, you know, I don't trust somebody who says they can't like handle their alcohol. It's like, I understand that. But at the same time, like there's a point where like you get to where no one handles their alcohol. You know yeah, what no, I mean? Like, like there's no, there is, I, I'm tired of this like romanticized like 60s, like Don Draper, like I'm going to have a drink in the morning and then a drink in the afternoon. And then I'm going to, it's like, you, well, this guy would be smashed. Like they were to all be fair. Like, they also weren't like. Like, Don Draper and stuff like on the show, like, yeah, he's drinking in every scene, but realistically, it'd be like, oh, yeah, I had a drink at, like, 10 o'clock, and then I had a drink at, like, maybe noon or one, and then I had a drink at dinner. Yeah, but that also depends, too, because that's, I mean, the 60s is where that whole, isn't that where the whole, like, what, two martini, three martini lunch came yeah. from, or whatever, yeah. where they would, like, they go out in their lunch meetings and, like, three teenies at like 11 30 yeah but also <laughs> I, I that's very true but also those lunch meetings would be an hour and a half too long affair yeah it's not like that's they're doing three martinis in a half hour and then going back to work that's also true but can you imagine having three martinis which are basically just gin in the span just, of like just gin or vodka just straight yeah yeah and what like the lunch meeting might be what like two hours maybe two and, and a doing half like six years. shots basically yeah, and you've already had like a belt of whiskey like at ten in the morning. <laughs> well, that's breakfast. <laughs> that is true. That's that's a. I, I read somewhere it's true, right? That like uh, soldiers in like was it World War Two where they got like rations of whiskey, or what? Am I thinking like revolutionary? I might be thinking Are like you revolutionary sailors and the tot. That's their allotment of rum. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, I know that George Washington gave his men rations of whiskey. Like yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, back then. Yeah, I know. I know sailors. It was called the tot, and they were given an allotment of rum. Uh, and then the last day, they the the British Navy continued to do that up until like the late 60s or 70s. And the last one they had is called the black tot. 
That's so awesome. Well, our next segment is uh, going back to Palentine's Day. Here's our Palentine's Day fun research fact this week. Uh, So, for our last Palentine celebration of the year, the fun fact is that according to a study by Carolyn Parkson, Adam M. Kleinbaum, and Thalia, Thalia Whitney, Wheatley, sorry, Thalia Wheatley, published in 2018 that people with close friendships also have similar neural responses. Or, to put it another way, that friends are exceptionally similar to each other in how they perceive, interpret, and react to the world around them. They did, like, fMRI scans on this and showed that um, they could predict whether or not two people were friends based only on the similarity of the patterns in their fMRI scans. Is that, like... Yeah, is so does that mean does that also include the like taking into account the idea that like just being friends um or around similar people might shape those similar responses? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, people might have similar responses to start out with and then just by being around each other, like they more kind of like adapt their patterns just over the uh, like a course of time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I th- I'm trying to remember what I think that was part of it was like people who kind of react similarly find each other and, like, sync up Mm -hmm. in a way. Like, they learn each other's patterns and reactions. Um, So that, like, when they do meet somebody who does think in a very different... or does interpret in a very different way, it's harder for those two people to become friends. Hmm. But, yeah. (laughs) Does it it scare you that we all think alike to, to know that? No. no, but you you saying sync up just made me like think oh, get out of here. Have to menstruate. Like, I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm not the gender <laughs> that has to worry about that. You got to worry about bears. You got to worry about like bears. The cleanup. Yeah, there's the old joke that like oh, women's God. menstruation attracts bears, which is uh, why if you bring women camping, they just just make sure they're not athletic because that way you can run. <laughs> Yeah, you don't have to be faster than the bear. You have to be faster than the person next to you. Exactly, exactly. I remember, I think someplace actually post, like a park or something posted signs about that saying like, hey, this is a bad rule. Don't follow that. Oh, what? Like running faster? Abandoning your friend to wild animals? Yeah. I mean, that's also fair, but let's see how well the rules of society hold up when you're getting fucking chased by a bear. I mean, we've we've had experiences where we've had to, like, outrun shit that randomly started chasing after us, and I I am loath to say... Yeah, yeah. I've been chased by dogs before, and I I was not thinking, even to some of my close friends, I was not thinking, like, Oh man, I, I should slow down and wait for them to catch up. <laughs> I, 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 uh, that makes me kind of a bad friend, but I don't know if they were thinking that either. So, wow, that's okay. Well, I mean, you get fucking chased by something, <laughs> and you see what you're thinking about. I don't think I'd stop really to about. think. I think I'd just be booking it. That's my point. Also, that is my point. Question. Right? Yeah. Why would you not just take the 50-50 of them continuing to chase your friend and just split off in a completely different direction? Because uh, then they could be they could still come for you. Yeah. It it's not like you're not even when you're getting chased by something like that, like you're not even thinking about directionality or whatever. You're literally just like focusing on going faster and hoping you can go faster than whatever is chasing you. It's like a like a pure like <laughs> primal response. 
And uh, that's why you make friends with people who can keep, you know, keep up with you. <laughs> that's that. Those were all the guys who were friends back in uh, caveman days. Everyone who ran faster than the Sabretooth Tiger were pretty good buddies. I've just now realized why you've kept me around all these years. Oh. I don't know how RJ. I feel about that. No. I keep you around for kind of witticism and your podcasting. Sure. I need someone to record my uh, my voice for posterity. And by oh, you've God, been on I'm mute a... this whole time. Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> uh, can you imagine letting me talk for this long? <laughs> that'd, be, that'd, be, that'd, be here. that'd be That'd be crazy. Well, we're going to let you talk about some more stuff with our uh, oh. next segment, Better Buddies Recommend. We recommend a piece of media to enjoy. I hope you guys have some good things, because mine is... A mixed review. I don't know that I have anything. I have something. Well, I'm going to go first then, because James go. has something in mind. So I'm going to te- technically recommend uh, oh, shit, uh, The Killing Joke, the animated film on Netflix right now. It's okay. Batman, Yes. but skip the first like 20 minutes. Those uh, are supposed to be the most important part of the movie. No... Yeah. No, no, not this Wait, one. Have you, you read the comic? Have you read the Alan Moore comic? No, I haven't, but I know that it doesn't start with a whole Barbara Gordon thing. What? So, okay, so this this sounds so, like the, obviously the portion of your mixed review that is mixed, so what if... Yeah, uh, so The yeah. Killing Joke, general, like, it's been out for years, the general story is pretty basic. Jo- the whole thing is Joker saying, like, oh, one bad day if it's bad enough, can break anybody. And mm-hmm. he tries to break Commissioner Gordon. He shoots Barbara Gordon. Uh, he just does all this terrible stuff to Gordon. And then Batman confronts him, basically trying to like see what where the edge is. Is that how she gets paralyzed yes. in the original? Okay, so, okay, that's where it comes from. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but the animated film, using uh, Mark Hamill and... Um, oh, what's his name? I know his name. The Batman voice actor, uh, Kevin Conroy. I know Kevin Conroy, yeah. Uh, they decided <laughs> that they wanted to ch- change it up a little bit and give some background on Batgirl and put in a 20-minute sequence of Batgirl doing her Batgirl thing and, like, getting involved with the manipulative uh, gangster guy who's kind of similar to Joker in the, like, emotional manipulation stuff. And then what, she what? hooks up with Batman, and he's like, no, you're done. We're done here. I can't. I'm too close to this. And it's like, <laughs> hang on. Let's back up, like, a step. No. 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 This is not... It's not... Batman... No. 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 That'll be a great... You'll be a great twist on the plot is if... Uh, the hookup resulted in Barbara Gordon having a broken back and then Batman blamed it on the Joker. <laughs> That's horrific. <laughs> that would be that would be kind of a, a, a different shade to the story of the character. But what was the point in the story? Of, the point was uh, supposed to be, I, as I understood, the point was supposed to be more of that reflection of, uh, it, it was a little kind of over the, like on the nose of, oh, getting too close to the edge and peering into the darkness and coming back from that or not. 
that's uh, already what like the whole th- that's already what the story like originally is about. I don't yeah. understand why they add like. But they decided minutes. to add in this Barbara Gordon bit where she like she's beating on the goo on the um the gangster. Okay. And she comes to the realization like, oh crap, I I'm going too far. Too far. Um, okay. So she gives up, and like gives up the bat girl thing. Um, but yeah, it was like. It wasn't, it just didn't feel necessary. And like, I don't know. Yeah, one of the worst mistakes I think you can make in any movie or story or whatever is like, when you just create a plot line just to give a character something to do. I mean, I I understand like nowadays, like, you know, especially with more people flocking to comic book property, like they want to give characters who like, underserved markets identify with and kind of give them, you know, their time in the spot. But then it's like, then don't shoehorn stuff into um, stories that are already pretty functional on their own. Um, And if you are going to do that, then like, then you really have to try and figure out a way to do that kind of originally and uniquely. Um, Or else there's no point. Um, and I, mean, I have to give I it credit because, like, the yeah. after you get done with the Barbara Gordon stuff, it's a real, it's pretty good, and it does like some really interesting Joker backstory narration. And probably because it's just from the original Killing yeah. Joke. <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course, Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy kill it as always. Yeah, but... I mean, I've I've read the the Killing Joke comic. I I think it's pretty interesting. I mean, isn't it considered like a pretty seminal work in comics? Yeah, it's one of the uh, landmarks. Um, Particularly because, I'm trying to remember, I think it's because it went so dark. Like, it was, it stood out because of how dark it went for a comic book story. And between that and Watchmen is what kicked off the whole, like, everybody's gonna be grim and gritty and uh, weepy and angsty (laughs) all the time. Yeah. Okay, that's, okay. Well, and that's kind of unfortunate because, like, that's not really entirely what, like, the it's kind of like what people tried to do after the, like, Christopher Nolan movies came out, where, um, like, they just thought copying the kind of aesthetic or the look of the movies or the, the feeling would be enough. But it's like, the movies, like, Christopher Nolan doesn't start out, he didn't start out with those movies saying, like, I'm going to make, like, I want to make a really dark Batman movie. No, mm-hmm. like the, the whole point of those movies and like the point of the killing joke is to approach that character from a more kind of realistic perspective. I mean, with the killing joke, it, it's definitely with like Al Moore, it's more like philosophical, but that's what makes it like the, yeah. being it's not like the darkness. Dark, it's not the inherent yeah. darkness. It's what it's doing with that to do to yeah. say something like being dark and gritty are byproducts they're not the main like driving force and i I think with i I haven't seen this thing but with the barbara gordon plot line that kind of sucks like i feel it would be kind of interesting to have like a a new perspective from a a character who wasn't given a lot to do in the original killing joke it would be interesting to have her in her own parallel but again if it just feels shoehorned in it kind of sucks that they botched the and that's what people said when it first came out was like, okay, this Barbara Gordon plotline at the beginning was completely unnecessary, and mm-hmm. like, maybe maybe they could have saved it if they'd done it in memory flashbacks in a similar way to the Joker memory flashbacks mm-hmm. and like contrast these two stories. But they didn't. But it was still fu- it was still mostly fun. 
Still mostly fun. Yeah. Okay. So, James, what do you got? I've got Arrested Development. That is what I'm mm. going to recommend. Um, <clears throat> I, I was talking to you guys about this, I think, like last week. I don't think I actually did it on the podcast, but um, no. Uh, Arrested Development is a great show. Uh, it's on Netflix. I think I think all five seasons are on Netflix, right? Um, yes. I think so. Yes, they are. Um, but for anyone who doesn't know, Arrested Development uh, was a show that was made in the early 2000s. It basically follows a wealthy real estate family that falls into disrepute after the husband, the the owner of their real estate company is basically charged with like embezzling company money. Um, it's kind of a, like it's a mockumentary single camera sitcom that follows this family as they try to get out of prison. And they're all very self-absorbed, self-involved people. Um, it's a great show. It's hilarious. Um, it laid the groundwork for a lot of single camera sitcoms um, like, the office or uh community um cast is fantastic uh jason bateman uh jessica walter portia de rossi um um tony hale uh yeah will arnett yeah (laughs) Um, that's his that's his fake name it's (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's so good um and i've seen i like uh, this is my second or third time rewatching the show. Um, I'm on the third season right now. And th- these are some comments that I, I, I saw like come up, you know, cause I've just been hang- like watching like random clips of the show on like YouTube. And I do think it's interesting. What some people point out is how show was made during the era where, um, you know, 20 odd years ago where binge watching wasn't a thing. It didn't really exist. Um, so the show premiered, you know, like any other show from week to week to week. Um, but like the show watching it, like binge watching it, like I have, like, I can't imagine any other way of watching the show because it relies so much on like the, on each episode relies, uh, as it goes on, on the previous episode setups and jokes. And there are so many running gags that run throughout that you, you really do have to watch them like, it's overwhelming. It is overwhelming. Like, it's kind of insane. And that that's what contributed to its ultimate decline in popularity was that nobody could get into it because it, it wasn't really episodic. Like you had to be with the show from the beginning, which is what makes it so complex, but which is also what led to it being canceled. Yeah. Well, and those running jokes, it's like a, a layered thing because they they'll start a running joke in episode one, season one, and we'll keep it going for forever. But then like episode two, will bring up a new running joke and they just get so complex and deep. In yeah. Terms of and how they, many layers of joke are we on now? It really run. There's so many different, there's like little musical jokes or like, I don't know. Uh, RJ, I don't know how well you remember some of the jokes in the show, but well, there's, there's always money my- in the banana stand. There's always money in the banana stand. No touching. Um, one of my um, favorites is Mr. the Mister F. Uh, F. One of my favorites is the um, the the recurring like father joke between like a Buster Bluth and uh, uh, his uncle Oscar. Where anytime, <laughs> anytime like uh, 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 Tony Hale, like Buster is like talking about his father supposedly. Um, who he thinks is like his dad, but it's really his uncle. And 
Uh, anytime he's like, he'll say something like, well, maybe my father will hear about this. And his uncle looks at him and he's like, maybe he already has. And there's like a musical sting <laughs> and like a little like zoom in that'll happen. And then the show just keeps going. Like it, someone will have a line. They'll just completely like non sequitur, just cut it off. And um, shows like it's a poor example, but the show is like full of those things. So yeah, Arrested Development, it's. It's so well, it's, well done. It started getting so meta with like I think it was season four, mm-hmm. like because the main Jason Bateman's character goes to sell the rights to his family's story to Ron Howard, who's directing the series. Yes, yeah, and like even in the early, um, <clears throat> even in like season two, when the show started to have like financial difficulties, like there's the one part of one of the episodes where like. Uh, Tobias, like David Cross's character, meets with Carl Weathers at a Burger King. God, and they're like, I can't imagine like meeting in any other place. The lighting is so good in here, and their burgers are so great. And um, well, and it's a lot. Even, like, what's crazy to me is he in the show. Carl Weathers is presented as this like down and out actor who is desperate for money. Yeah, and now he's, he's like, super big for having been in the Mandalorian. Yeah, he's like a con man and um not but he it's weird because he he doesn't come off as like malicious he comes off as just kind of like he's just desperate he just kind of yeah like it's 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 kind of like he's just kind of wandering around doing whatever he does um but no rest of development i would i would absolutely suggest it's a, it's a fantastic show um absolutely calvin do you have you thought of anything you'd like to recommend uh yeah, uh now I gotta decide between two. Oh Uh-oh. my god! <laughs> but I think I'm gonna go with um this YouTube series. Uh oh, what's the guy's name? I don't know the guy's name that did it. Um, but it's it's called Astartes, and it's a fan made um short mini series mini like thing about uh, um based in the world of uh Warhammer. Okay. And it's like the it's like one dude who did all of the CGI for it. Um there's five parts. Um looking at the five parts now it looks like total runtime is like 11 12 minutes long. But the animation quality or the in like the CGI quality is ridiculous it's awesome and you don't really need to know anything about warhammer to really appreciate it obviously if you know warhammer lore you're probably uh, and i don't but i assume if you know the warhammer lore you're gonna have a way deeper understanding of what's happening in it but it's just awesome to watch and it's this cool little like action short story thing where you like follow these space marines as they board this vessel and are just like dominating the normal soldiers (laughs) that they come up against. And then at the end they have like this big epic fight against these two like powerful guys. Again, I have no idea what they are because of, but they're like probably deep in the Warhammer lore, but I would really recommend it. It's called a Startes, A S T A R T E S. You can find it on YouTube. So it's, um, yeah, it's Warhammer. And like you said, it's so well done and well written that you don't need to know the decades of lore behind it. Yeah, well, there's no dialogue. Oh, there's there's never there's not a single word ever said. It's just 
through action and like you just see people fighting and it's just it's just awesome that's cool that's cool that's a cool like little addition to it awesome our next segment how to be a better buddy or we give some comedic and some real advice nailed it this week oh yeah did you though well we get them from yahoo answers so maybe not um doubt (laughs) our first question this week is it normal to still hold a grudge on someone for over 20 years I don't know that it's abnormal. I do know it's not healthy. Yeah, I don't... I mean, I don't... Can't really answer, because if I was holding a grudge on someone for 20 years, I would have had... To experience that, I would have had to hold a grudge on someone since I was, like, four. Um, so, I can't really answer that. I would I would say... Yes, it depends. Damn you, Greg Pekaitis. <laughs> I feel like if you had like a grudge on someone for that long, like you better have a really good reason. Otherwise it's just kind of petty and lame. He stole my pet rock. I feel like most grudges are pretty petty and lame. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's inherent in a grudge to be somewhat petty or lame. If there's an actually valid reason and all this stuff to not like someone, then it's just a valid reason not to like them. But if it's a grudge, then I feel like that's somehow inherently petty. I mean, arguably, most religious conflicts, <laughs> are at, least between, at least between Christianity, and a lot of those can be pretty petty. Yeah, yeah I merge, I merge out of grudges. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, may- maybe if you're holding on for twenty years, you should just let it go. Because what are the odds that person's even still in your life? Yeah, and if that person's still in your life, then you've got other issues. Yeah. Our next question. Should I feel upset when my 29-year-old boyfriend tells me when he finds a girl on TV hot? Um, I mean, is he constantly doing it to pretty much every single girl that he sees on TV? Because then, like, I don't know, I guess, yeah. Yeah, I I think that's a good point. How the frequency matters. Yeah. And it's also one thing to be like, hey, do you think, like, asking you if you think she's hot? Because he's still dating you, so he, like, he sees something in you. Um, but if he's seeing if every woman on TV, he's just like, oh, yeah, she's hot, she's hot, she's hot. Like, might be time to sit down and talk to him. Or he might really just be dating you so he can have somebody to turn to and talk to about all the hot women he sees on television. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, if it's a once-in-a-time thing, like, you know, that's <clears throat> whatever, like... Relationship should hopefully be more solid where some some broad on the television isn't going to like sow any uh genuine seeds of doubt. But at the same time, if he's turning to you and he's like, Yeah, you know that like she's way hotter than you'll ever be. Still love then you, you got a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, then it's time to find the garbage bags. Yeah, yeah. 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 Then then maybe then that's maybe reason enough to hold a grudge. Hmm. Just to say. <laughs> and you can hold that grudge for 20 years. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then you can. Uh, and then when he's 49, you show up yeah. again on his doorstep. He's remarried, and you are the specter of death that looms over his household as yeah. he realizes what he's done to you and uh, destroys his family through his own guilt. 
Can we say that is one of the most like self-absorbed like revenge plots that seems to be like relatively common both in like classic stories and also like modern stuff what? is like I'll know what I'll do. I'll turn myself into a piece of shit so that this person can see how badly they affected me. <laughs> and then I'm going to show up and they're going to feel real bad and then they're probably going to kill themselves. Oh, I like, was thinking I, more of like the um Oh god. I guess my the closest I can come to is the Mask of Red Death by Edgar Allan Poe, where the person just okay. shows up and everybody dies, but the person doesn't actually do anything. Now, I know the Mask of Red Death is actually an allegory for the plague, but... Yeah. I think, I usually think of, like, Eponine from, like, uh, Les Mis, where she is, like, because uh, she wants, uh, what's his fucking face? Marius... She wants one a guy she likes. She wants uh, is that the, uh, the like, Eddie back. Redmayne character? Yes, that is the Eddie Redmayne character, and he oh, Kermit like the Frog. Yeah, he he does sound like Kermit the Frog when he sings. He really does, um, and he 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 totally brozones her uh, to chase after Amanda Seyfried, and uh, like the whole epitome of her character is this like death scene in the rain he like holds her but then he immediately just kind of drops her and goes back to like <laughs> Amanda Seyfried and it's like I don't understand I mean like I'm sure in the book and in like other parts of the musical like it's more established but at the same time uh, it just didn't work in I the don't film. know yeah I don't know that movie's that movie's uh, movie's intense that movie that movie is a lot to get through I think it's like a little Here's over a three hours long yeah. so getting back to the original question would the question asker Phillips uh expect her boyfriend to be ex- upset or his boyfriend i just realized uh wouldn't I'm, expect their boyfriend to be upset if they turned to the boyfriend and said hey eddie redmayne's kind of hot because <laughs> one you're lying he's not ouch look the well, dude's not well, ugly but i'd hardly put him in the same category as like henry cavill he's cute i mean he's yeah he's not you know He's got the teeth. Uh, Yeah, he's got the pouty lips and he's got the freckles and he plays like, you know, sensitive, marginally autistic characters on film. (laughs) So it's true. He's going to court. He does kind of just play that character. Yeah, he's going to court a very specific uh, former Tumblr uh, crowd, which (laughs) is fine. That's fine. You like to roll, you know. The, the, yeah what what is that thing that all yeah i mean it is what it is but yeah i mean like i don't know if my girlfriend like we were watching uh in this fantasy world if we, if we were on the couch together and we were watching lay biz and she was like oh i think eddie redmayne's kind of cute um and that was it i'd be like yeah I, I can yeah i agree he's i could see the attraction but if she's like turns to me and she's like i think he's fucking Look how much richer he is than you, but he's got a, like a huge fucking dick. I'd be like, "Where's this coming from?" <laughs> like, oh, we were yeah. watching a movie. <laughs> um, I yeah. I, so I, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, talk to your boyfriend uh, and evaluate if it's a rarity or a act like a common problem that needs to be addressed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, our third question: My son bought a lock for his door. How should I punish him? With the further details, he always locks his door and I can't even talk to him. Whenever I bring up the topic, he avoids the subject. Who knows what he's doing in that room? 
I am planning to confront him about this and take him <laughs> to lock like we away. Know what he's doing in that room. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. is selfish and ungrateful. Is this kid a teen? Is this a teenage boy? Because I believe everyone knows what he's doing in his room. Building bombs. And yeah. Master- what else do yeah. you do? He's, he's. I think what you should do, obviously, as a parent in this situation, is just jump to the worst possible conclusions. And what you should absolutely. So think he's running a meth he- lab. He's he has probably read the entirety of uh, Ted Kaczynski's manifesto, the Industrial Thank Revolution and its consequences, like me. And he has locked himself in his room, and he is getting ready to uh, mail postal bombs to his teachers while also masturbating, taking masturbation breaks, and um, meth. And he's also probably Just yes, copious, he's probably also copious amounts of meth. It's a shit ton of meth. Um, uh, and I think just to punish him, you should. Lock him out. Lock, yeah, yes. Yeah, there's nothing that <laughs> Nothing makes day, it worse like, than if the parents think it's cool. Uh, you know, you should bring him into your room at one point and be like, you know, I'm, I know you're going through a lot, and me as your dad, I, I want to try and get involved in your life. So I, I'd like to help you, you know, build bombs, masturbate, and uh, cook meth. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if he doesn't stop, then family bonding incredibly healthy relationship or you know the exact opposite but i would say uh realistically um i mean have you considered the way you're approaching this situation that he feels the need to lock his door that way like how how intrusive have you been uh you you care for your kid but also how have you approached the situation that they felt the need to go out and buy a lock themselves yeah yeah i mean yeah i don't get it ever since we just started doing those mandatory uh discipline sessions in the family dungeon matthew has just become so distant it's like he doesn't even want to be around me anymore he's only lost two fingers yeah it's just weird i mean you know i mean i'm the one who's going through all my good belts i mean this is (laughs) jesus a big sacrifice um I mean, I think that's a good point, though, Arch, is that, uh, I mean, well, it's also depending on the age of the kid. Um, yeah. I don't know. My parents would never let me have a lock on my door. Uh, like, so uh, um, that didn't stop me from closing my door. So you can at least if you wanted to deescalate the situation, you could genuinely have a conversation where you're like, listen, like, I'm, I'm I need to I'm be able to get in in case of an emergency. I'm going to snip the lock on your door. Like that that's not, it's my house, like my house, my door. So sorry kid, but I'm clearly like filling some stuff. Um I'm going to respect your privacy. Um so we're just going to have to learn to trust each other a little bit more. Um you know. Yeah. But, I mean that's that might be kind of a tenuous thing to say but i would also rephrase it a little bit maybe not start with it's my house i'm cutting the lock off and maybe start with like we need to build up our trust a little bit more and i'm willing to give you some more privacy but i also can't have you locking the door Uh, because i that's fair because i know as a kid when my parents were like well it's my house and it's like well i i didn't fucking choose to live here (laughs) i like if i if i was in your position like yeah I understand, but no. So that's a, that's an incredibly unfair like thing to throw at a kid. Is like, well, yeah, like I chose to have you and whatever. Um, but yeah. no, I. So yeah, you're right. Rephrase it, but it's like, 
like i don't really feel entirely comfortable like you know um if if it makes you feel comfortable i won't have locks on my doors or something <laughs> like that i mean something to like level Listen, playing son, field. if it makes yeah. you feel more comfortable my door will be locked all the time yeah <laughs> yeah you'll never accidentally walk in yeah uh, yeah. Yeah. So just talk to your kid. Communication, people. Discipline. Makes the world go around. No, yeah. not discipline, James. No. Discipline. <laughs> Bad. Discipline. Go to your child. corner. So yeah. men were disciplined that way for thousands of years, and most of us turned out. Most of us turned out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we survived. All right. Which I'd like to point out, like for a man, that's impressive. But it's also like for an entire gender, an incredibly low bar for like accomplishment. It's like, hey, I survived. Let's be real. For the first like uh, beginning of history till about 500 years ago, it was just kind of accepted that survival was the best we could hope for. Yeah, it was definitely the, like, both the bare minimum and the complete and total, like, goal, the goal of achievement. Yeah, it was the goal. <laughs> it was, like, I want to live long enough. Cool. It, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely getting that way. Yeah. Uh, our next question, one that I think we can all answer uh, with very educated answers. What oh, yes. do you think of men yeah. that only want male gaming friends, but not female gaming friends? heard of this thing called the bell curve no just kidding uh what uh, what uh <laughs> what i have no idea what you're saying um well uh, first I off have... there are no women on the internet yeah they don't exist yeah. you can't prove it you can't prove it um and if you do prove it by showing your boobs then you're just an intention-seeking whore oh no it's photoshopped <laughs> It's or it's photoshopped. You're right. Yeah, there's no way to prove it. Um, um, no, I, if we operate on the assumption that there are real women on the internet who are not uh, that horrendous joke Jane made. Um, yes. That's a joke. I don't think it's necessarily the worst thing of for a guy to only want male gaming friends. Like, uh, if that's his like bro time. Yeah, I mean, as long as he's not, you're not like discriminating against people. I don't think there's an issue with like having only your friends be like male or female. But I mean, if you're just like blocking people or bullying people because they're not, I don't, I, I don't know. No, I, I think you make a really good point there, Calvin. Of like, yeah. it's one thing to have your friend group that you play games with, and it's it's like, oh, it's just my dudes. But if you're <laughs> online in an online match and you, a woman shows up and you're like being rude and bullying her. She's just like, you can't be here. Yeah. <laughs> what are you, I didn't even know. How do you read the buttons on the controller? Are we teaching you those? Oh my God. God damn it, James. Um, listen, the only reason I say that shit is because who the fuck would say it and actually mean it? And anyone who does say it. A lot of people, unfortunately. Well, yeah. yeah, but like who the fuck cares? Like, here's the thing. Level setting, like, Obviously, from a purely human standpoint, like men and women obviously should be given like equal amounts of opportunity. But at the same time, we cannot function, I don't think, under this like idea that introducing people of different genders to each other in a setting doesn't change the dynamic that would exist between people of the same gender doing the same activity in the same setting. Like, there are different there are different dynamics that evolve and every every guy who has had a guy like a group of guy friends that where then like women join which is fine 
knows that the dynamic completely changes. It when does. The, when, in the, yeah, in the same way a group of like women who are all friends and then suddenly a dude shows up, that's going to change. Exactly. Exactly. So that, and that doesn't mean that like, oh, one is superior to the other. It's just like, oh, you know, if like, oh, if like dudes want to hang out with each other and girls want to hang out with each other, that's totally fine. Like just in the sense of we're acknowledging, like, I just kind of want some, like you said, like I want some bro time. I want to just chill. Like that's fine. But at the same time, to the point of like introducing someone of the other, of a different gender, like changes the dynamic. Um, me and some college buddies one time were just like, okay, we're going to get together and play card games and board games for a night. Like, it's just the bo- bros. It's just this, mm-hmm. the, the, the shindig. We're getting together, doing our shindig thing. And we did that for a couple hours. It was fun. It was great. And then one of the guys was like, hey, female friend of ours is having a rough night, needs some support as a group. Is it okay if she comes to hang out for a while? And we all took our each other's opinions into consideration. We're like, you know what? We had our bro time. Bring her in here. Let's be supportive. And it changed the dynamic because, you know, it went from being bro time to let's all just hang out and have fun and be supportive of this person. But it also wasn't necessarily a bad thing. No, I, I like mixed, like mixed friend groups are awesome. Like they're, they're great. I, I love, um, I like, no one is a better motivator than a woman, in my opinion. Uh, um, like, have you it, met an army drill sergeant? I, uh, yes, I have, and I will. Say <laughs> yeah, and you, would you say Coach Cruz is not motivating? I Coach Cruz is motivating for a very much more specific. I'd much say more much primal, more effective. Effective in a certain capacity, yes, but like. For example, like with some of the friend groups I've had where there it was like guys and girls, like I would find a lot of the times like with a group of guys, like guys will sometimes go out and do things, but it's like 50 50. What I found with when I was in friend groups with like guys and girls was like girls want to go out and do shit like all the time, like <laughs> all the time. Anytime you get together, they're like, let's go. Let's go out to eat. Let's go like take a walk. Let's go to a bar. Like, let's go do all this shit. And like because the guys some of them want to impress the girls. Some of them do want to have a, just a good time. And some of them also... So I think there's like a primal like dude response where it's like, I'm not going to let this girl think of a pussy by not wanting to go do something. Like, there are every... You know, the... To go out and do stuff. Like, with some of the camping trips or other shit that I would go on, like, some of it originated from like, girls sometimes saying like, it would be fun if we went on a camping trip. And then a lot of the guys were like, I, I know how to make a tent. I know and how to do this. And next thing you know, you look around and somehow you're in the middle of the woods. Yeah, exactly. And, and like, so there's like benefits that like the, like that do come from like that dynamic. Um, it's just different. Um, and it gets messy <laughs> quickly. So, no. It, no. What? Not no. Apparently. Um, no, hard not, disagree really that it gets messy uh, not immediately but after a sustained amount of time yes no i do i don't think it's inherent I, that that's gonna happen i think it's just a you problem i don't think it's inherent i'm not even saying from me as a personal standpoint and i have i i would have <laughs> like uh experience to say that but i'm saying just from uh, observationally like <clears throat> anytime there's a, a mixed group who's been together in close quarters for like about a year. 
you're going to have things get messy. Okay, be different like, relationships that's that anybody. If anybody is hanging out for a year straight, at some point you're going to have a mess. It's just a matter of time. That's also true. That is fair. I, I think a more research would be needed to determine if it's a matter of the mixed friend group hanging out or if it's a matter of just people hanging out over a year. I think it gets messier because I think the genders have like a a like a almost subconscious to a degree like language barrier with each other at a, at a certain level. That doesn't mean they can't communicate, but it just means that like a group of guys is going to get over a problem quickly and a group of girls is going to get over a problem quickly because they're both like on the same biological playing field. But a group of guys and a group of girls like mixed together like there's so many cross competing dynamics that can become like I don't know get out of control. I, I, I that is I still yeah. think in a mixed group it goes it stops being quite as uh, clear cut who's on whose sides and issues because you've got competing alliances and like preferences. Yes. Well, but that's anyways. Also yeah. Uh, men having only male gaming friends. Yeah. Why not? Just don't be rude to women you meet online. I mean, any for rude, just tell them you don't mean it afterwards. And no, it no, away. no. Bad. Go back to your corner. Um, our next question, speaking of uh, male friends, what is a bro? Can someone explain to me what a bro is? All right, so James and Calvin don't know what a bro is, but I do. Bro yeah, is a, bro we'll, we'll is we'll a uh, truncation of the word brother uh, to indicate that you are close with another male. Uh, commonly right. males, although now in our uh, this day and age, it would it's kind of more of a general term for another individual. I, I'd say it's lost its uh, gendered status. More gender neutral. Yeah, definitely more gender neutral. Uh, and it's just to indicate a friendship of a degree. It can also be used uh, semi-mockingly to be like, oh, what's up, bro? Yeah. I mean, I would say like... Like a bro is just like it's a guy. If I'm looking at the the people, I would think of as bros, like uh, someone you can trust, like deeply, and also someone you can like fuck around with. And both of you, there is like a a solid ground to the dynamics, so that there's no like. He goes like get bruised or anything like that. Um, yes, I was reading some stuff where it's like um, supposedly one of the reasons that like guys <clears throat> like fuck with each other or haze each other or whatever is because it's like a like an instinctual like testing to see how far someone can be pushed um, before they basically like break. Um, because yes. the idea the idea would be like you know if you and this person are ever in like a a survival situation or you're in like a foxhole like you don't want to be next to the guy who's going to freak out and like do something that's going to risk both of your lives like you want to be next to the guy who is going to you know not you like can trust not, him to like keep his cool yeah it's not like he's not going to be you know not scared it's just like he he's going to be able to maintain so he's um, got your a back lot of the- bro yeah, so that's like kind of what a, what a bro is. It's like you trust you you trust them. Like if you were gonna get stranded somewhere, it's like all right, I trust this guy to contribute, help me out, 
I'm going to help him out and we're not going to eat each other. Probably <laughs> not, oh. not, not yet. Probably. Not yet. Yeah. Cool. Our final question this week. How would you feel if your husband or boyfriend rescued you, rescued you from muggers? I mean, I'd feel pretty good. I mean, you were rescued. I mean, yeah. You didn't get mugged. Like, I don't understand the point of the question, I guess. I, I'm kind of reading it as a, like, do you, I don't know. Uh, how would you feel about, like, would you feel f- afraid for your boyfriend or husband? Would you be happy that they rescued you? Would you be proud of them for standing up to the muggers? Would you think, oh, what a dumb idiot because they could have gotten hurt? I can't. I can't speak to the husband or boyfriend uh, dynamic. Okay, I can't well, really fine, speak. Your wife to it. or her girlfriend? Yeah, I. I mean, I can't speak to that either right now. But James? I guess what I would say is that if I had a wife or a girlfriend who rescued me from muggers, huh? Use your imagination. I am using. I know my it's imagination. hard for you. It is difficult. Um, <laughs> um, I would be, uh incredibly turned on i mean for one I, that would be that would be that would be hot that would be like if she beats them up or if she like picks me up and like runs really fast or some shit like that like if she one, picks you up and runs really fast i think you're dating supergirl yeah that's i mean so one like swoon uh two <laughs> um like yeah i, I would I, I mean there's just like uh it, it, it sounds so lame but even like, um, I think this is probably at the at the crux of maybe some of those more uh, uh, sense based feelings. Um, but just to like, obviously, if you're in a relationship with somebody like that, you know that you care for each other. But there's even though there's that whole like extra layer that gets added where it's like, wow, you like like rescued me, like you care that much about me, where you you know you did that. Um, yeah. It's like, okay, that, you know, that is, that, that doesn't buy anyone like undying loyalty, but that's definitely like, oh, that's right. Neat. Yeah. They it's like, trip me and leave me and run away for the mugger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You must really love me. And it's like, no, I can't collect insurance if you get murdered, idiot. Like, I kind of, life insurance. It's very, yeah, it's very specific life insurance. Uh, your policy is. No, I, yeah, I would I would be very I would be equal parts um hot and bothered, honored, and just filled Please. with an Im- yeah, an immense amount of respect and gratitude that somebody like this cares about it cares about me. Like very, very lucky I would be. There you go. Uh one more thing that I wanted to talk about before uh we closed out. Should gays be in the military? <laughs> All right, we're getting no. removing James from the podcast starting today. It's <laughs> yeah. long overdue. I'm um, just waiting for our, for you to one day throw out something that's like a total right turn. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I just like something like uh, I've been doing a lot of research on the flat Earth, and I actually think <laughs> of a triangular dimension. Um, no, we're clearly on a cube. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I ho- I wish. Um. No, Spider-Man movie is the new Spider-Man movie and just announced its title, No Way Home. Uh, But it's uh, the day before the three names that went up on each of the three main stars' Instagrams. Uh, Hollins Mm. was uh, Phone Home. 
Jacob Batalon was homewrecker, which that guy's been working out. You can notice it in his facial structure. Um, and then Zendaya's was, what was Zendaya's? Uh, Home Slice. I feel like those are obvious fake names. Well, they were, but they were real fun. No, wait, uh, what? What? Wait, what is... So the real one on- is No Way Home. But the day before, they put up three joke ones on each of the three main stars' Instagrams. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when they announced the real one, it's the three stars walking out of the director's office, being like... Oh. And like, Tom Holland is saying, like, I don't spoil things. And they're like, yeah, no, you do. You spoil yeah. things all the time. And they walk past a whiteboard with a bunch of, like, name... Pop potential names, like, written on it and, like, crossed out and stuff. And then the No Way Home in the middle circled. Um, but... I bring that up because uh, apparently a hashtag has started to trend a little bit. Cancel Spider-Man. Why? Because uh, Tom Holland tweeted about a cricket stadium. Except there's two Tom Hollands on Twitter. One of them is the British actor Tom Holland. The other is a British writer and cricket lover. And people have confused the two. And... So I'm I'm hoping this story develops in more comedic turns as the people uh, try and spark that fire without realizing they're going after the wrong Holland. I really I be nice. It'd also be hilarious if like British Antifa just found Tom Holland and just like kidnapped him. No, (laughs) no, that would be hilarious. Do you think there's a British Antifa? No, the British. Come on. There's no way there's a British Antifa. <laughs> Wouldn't it just be Antifa? Yeah. Also, oh, like, like they were I'd the like original the Antifa. They were the only guys left in the only people left in Europe, like standing up to Hitler. Yeah, after they fed him parts of Europe. <laughs> I don't talk about that. Uh, no, I mean, um, yeah. I does it feel like, and maybe it's just the the slow, pernicious disassociation from uh, you know almost a year of being in uh, like lockdown. But like, do these movies feel less weighty to you guys? Like, not in the sense that they're like, do, you know what I mean. Like, I feel like I know I've said this so much, but I I really do feel like after Endgame. It's like, I, I can't mean, imagine them ever recouping that level of I, I guess power. I'm wondering what you mean by weighty, because, like... I I agree, James. I, I, it, what, what I mean, I think, is it's, it's like when, you know, for instance, when, like, um, you know, some of the Captain America movies were coming out, or even, like, some of the Guardians stuff, or whatever. Like, and granted, those were all tied into Avengers. Even uh, Spider-Man, um, the, the, uh, been far from or home. far from home. Been far from home. It being a sequel to you know, um, like it felt yeah. It it felt still kind of yeah gravity to it, like a pull. Um, now it feels very like it feels like there's a vacuum. I yes. think and it, I agree yeah. with you. I think it's a couple different factors. One being that it has been locked down. We haven't had the only Marvel content we've had in the last year and some change has been WandaVision for the last like month. 
Yeah. And even that has not been Marvel-esque. Um, even mm. though it is connected. And then well, I, I would say the other yeah. factor is, as like you guys have said, we're post-Endgame. Endgame was a peak. And even though like there's some been some rumors of like studio execs and like directors and people saying like and like yeah they say this but it's like leaked info i guess of like behind closed doors they've been saying that the eternals might be one of their best projects they've done yet we'll wait and see but even if it is one of their best they've done yet it's still not going to top end game and it's still not nothing's ever going to reach end game again Dude, I think Disney fucked themselves. I, I think they, like, because, you know, at least from a business side perspective, and to a degree, some film stuff, like, knocked it out of the park with the, you know, uh, with Avengers. Like, there's never been any other cinematic, like, movement that has, you know, really, franchise that has really captured Well, they recouped so much- what they paid for Marvel, like, eight or nine times over. And that's the thing, but they also fucking fumbled Star Wars like to an unbelievable extent. A property I think Marvel they paid, paid for it. I don't know because it because the thing is like it's not just the cost of like initial purchase. You have to renew those licenses. You have to recoup uh like losses from other films or expenses that you're racking up in terms of personnel, facilities. And the thing is, is like. The bigger you make those movies, if they pay off, you can make big movies. But if you build a system like they kind of did that can only subsist on those, the minute that those profits start to decline and you have to start laying people off, the minute your system shrinks, which means like you can't make as big movies as you used to anymore, which means you won't draw in that much like box office. And I'm not like, who knows? They could pull something out of their ass. But I I just think like, um, I think they fucked up. Like, I think think they... I think you got to give it a little bit longer to see because yeah, they hit stupid high heights with like Endgame, but that was also the last movie for a lot of people, for a lot of the like higher paid stars like Downey Jr. How many millions he was making? Like they don't have to worry about that anymore. Then that also means they don't have his draw. The the, the reason they pay those people that much is because they can afford to do it. And I think, I think like, not that I would, don't it like obviously every you know you guys know my feelings about disney and marvel and star wars to some capacity like i'm in and out but like i think they could have i think they could have had 20 years i think they could have had the 2010s like they did and the 2020s but i think i I think they'll get the 2020s i don't think so i i think their mishandling of star wars is going to cost them like big time because people like that was a franchise that held way more popular appeal to some capacity, like immediately than, than Marvel did. Like Marvel had to slowly build up that kind of public yeah. reach. Which Star Wars didn't have to do because it was a, it was already an acclaimed property that people wanted to see done well because of the reaction to the prequels, you know, whatever you think yeah. about them, people wanted to see a different take. And what I think is going to happen is I think it's a switch. Like you uh, said, Marvel had to build up, but Star Wars jumped in with that pre-built expectation. And now with the way both of them have been handled, when the next Marvel movies start coming out, people, yeah, they're going to be sick of it. Yeah, it's going to be lower. I I get that. But it's going to be that it's a Marvel movie. And even the worst Marvel movies are still, like, mediocre to okay. 
Well, with uh, with Star Wars, they're building back. They're trying to like build back up slowly. Trying to build back better. Yeah. yeah. No, I I think uh, I honestly, and I mean, I know this has been something that is obviously people have talked about for like thirty years. I think at, they've uh, personally. I think they've exhausted the mainstream appeal of both superhero movies and Star Wars. I think right now what the industry is training its its guns on uh, is video games. Mm. I think we're going to see over the next decade a a ramp up in um, video game adaptations, and there are going to there is going to be one probably that is an attempted hail mary, like the like two thousand eight Iron Man, and it is either catches. Going- Yes, it is either going to fail and the movement is going to die uh, or it is going to catch and we will see like dozens of video game movies come out. Um, see, but we've already had so many video game movies come out. Like they, they've you been this say, like, slow creep underlying. Like we just had Monster Hunter World come out or Monster Hunter yeah, come out. But you could say the same thing. I mean, there were superhero properties like shows and movies that were getting made from the 60s on. You know, fifty odd years until they they hit something with Iron Man in the pop in the pop culture. Fair. And I think right now, like the way Hollywood is going, they really like money, and the way you get money is by going with properties that people are going to recognize. And to be fair, they've always done that. Like a lot of great Hollywood movies are based off of existing books or other works of art or something like that. So it makes sense they're training their sights on this, but. Um, I think that's what we're what we're going to see. I, I I so hope they try something with Halo. I mean, I really do, and I really don't. It's been like, in the works I, for years, though. It's been yeah. I like, just saw I just saw an article about it being moved further along down the production pipeline, like it's getting closer. I think I think they're going to want to continue this like scale of like epic uh, blockbuster storytelling. And obviously, I, I I genuine like I'm a huge fan of Halo. I think Halo is the most is like the prime candidate I'd, for yeah, it. Yeah, I'd say if there was any video game franchise, I think they could do it with and like succeed. That isn't Pokemon. Yes, it'd probably be Halo. Oh no, Call of Duty because that'd be just like generic war film. See, yeah, that's where I think it wouldn't catch because it is too generic. That's fair. Like, I think it would do okay, but I don't think it would click the same way. No, I mean, I could see, like, I could also see Uncharted. Thing. Ooh, um, I forgot about Uncharted. Uncharted. Could be a Bioshock movie, too. I could see that happening. Um, Portal. Portal is ripe for some mm. kind of film. I'd be I, hard. I think I could the problem, see... part of the problem is so many video game franchises are so limited in the scope you can work with. Like, Uncharted you can work with because it's Indiana Jones-esque. Very, very literally because the first Uncharted game was going to be an Indiana Jones game. And they mm-hmm. renamed it. Um, so, like, you have stuff to work with there. But with Portal, or like... Um, what was the other one you mentioned? Um, there's Bioshock. Just Bioshock. There's just it, the limitation on, like, the world to work with keeps makes it difficult to do anything more than like one movie well and that's the thing is i think like that that's what i could see is i think what franchises should do is instead of like following stories that are based 
like taking stories right out of the pages of like a comic book or right from the plots of video games just cement the world of like Bioshock and tell stories in that. That to me seems like a much more effective strategy if I was like a bloodless marketing executive. Well, that's what they're doing with Uncharted. They're not adapting the story of like the first game or anything. It's like a prequel. Which is that like I could imagine a whole series of movies set in Skyrim. That, that, no. that like I, I could see it. I, I could see a fantasy series, at least television show. The the like fa- epic fantasy does insanely well. Um Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones are two of some of the most lucrative properties that have existed in the past twenty years. If um we should probably wrap up real soon. Um yeah. but yeah. The Fallout supposedly Amazon's doing a Fallout series. Yeah. If that succeeds because it is a Bethesda-based first-person RPG, then mm. I would be more inclined to think Skyrim could do well. But I the nature of Skyrim's story is I I don't I don't know how well that would really work. Well, and again, like it, it would just have to be centering around. It could just be a random character, like because that's the whole, that's the whole appeal of video games in the first place. Is you, especially Skyrim, is you get dropped in, um, yeah. as a random character that is not tied necessarily into the story of the world. So with Skyrim, particularly, I feel like you could actually have the narrative leeway to just have a random character who is like the dragonborn or some affiliate and do a bunch of plot lines like related just in the world, like come up with an original story that takes place in Skyrim and you can have references to other like elements and properties, but I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how these studios play it because it is like, like theaters are from what I've heard, like on life support, yeah. like, the studio system is like panicking because they've never had, year like this where they just haven't been able to make movies or recoup yeah the you know the previous decades losses so it'll be interesting to see what what happens i'm more of a proponent of i want to see more independent original ideas come out but i am interested to see what they do at the corporate level for sure yeah well thanks for joining again this week fellas uh Thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off Yesterday. It's on iTunes and Spotify. We're on iTunes and Spotify. Better Buddies. Uh, apparently I need to double check that we're on Apple Podcasts. But uh, that's for another time. Go like us, comment, rate, all the fun stuff that lets us know you're listening. We're on social media. Twitter, at Better Budcast. Use the hashtag Better Buddies when you tweet. We're on Facebook, Better Buddies. Like the page, we share memes on Mondays. That's fun. Send us some memes. Uh, Gmail, betterbuddiescast at gmail.com. Send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love and war, and, uh, I don't know, how's your day going? And last but not least, be a better buddy. I don't like that YouTube has changed how their streams work. Mm-hmm. So you can't rewind a live stream.
while you're watching it. Like it used to be that if you jumped into a live stream that say started 20 minutes ago, you could scroll back those 20 minutes. Yeah. And, or just like rewind it all. Now you can't, you just can't a live stream. You cannot, Hey James, you can't like scroll back at all. That's dumb. That's it is. That reminded me of Netflix. I'm ticked with Netflix right now. Because, I don't know if it's their algorithm or what, but it has stopped just auto-playing every one after the other, like, down the line from wherever you start. I've had it, like, auto-play for five episodes, and then it'll jump to a random one that I'm halfway through because I, like, stopped on it or something. And then it will oh. cut and decide, oh, you're done watching this. I'm going to start showing you suggestions for other things to watch, even though you're still oh, in, like, I... season two of five. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't had that one. 